Morning. We are finishing our Happily Even After Marriage series this morning. Uh, if you are visiting for the first time today, uh, this message is going to be heavier uh, than when you would typically hear on a Sunday here. Uh, although we never shy away from the truth, that's actually one of the things that makes us really unique. Uh, today's topic is exceptionally heavy. Uh, to date, I've uh, preached uh, just over 700 times in my life, and this is, this is about as heavy as it gets. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about divorce, uh, and more specifically, uh, what the Bible teaches about remarriage. We're going to dive deep into God's Word and what it says on this topic. Now, I realize that this, this isn't just theological, right? For some of you, this is intensely personal, which is why it feels so heavy to me as your pastor. In our culture today, this is a subject that few people are untouched by. Even for those of you that are single right now or you're married right now, this message is just as much, every bit as much for you. Knowing what God's word says on this topic is incredibly vital if you want to divorce-proof your marriage. I'll also tell you that for the last nine months, God has been laying this particular topic on my heart in a heavy, heavy way. In fact, I cannot recall another time in my 15 years of ministry that I have felt so burdened by the Holy Spirit to speak on a particular subject. Before we open up the Bible today, I need to tell you that I'm not going to say anything radical from a biblical standpoint. In fact, we're just going to read a lot, a lot of scripture this morning, and we're going to see that the scriptures are actually pretty matter-of-fact on this issue. But what's happened is as divorce and remarriage have become so commonplace in our culture, Christians have stopped talking about these particular passages. In fact, uh, over the last few months, I've shared with a number of people in our church that I, I greatly respect that uh, what the Bible teaches on this particular subject, on divorce, particularly remarriage, and person after person in our church has said back to me, huh, I had no idea that Jesus said that. And I suspect as we look through the Bible this morning that there will be a number of you in this room that have never seen these words from Jesus before either. And yet Jesus says them not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in three different Gospels. And Paul echoes the very same thing. Let me say one final thing before we start looking at the verses. My job is not to say what everyone wants to hear or what makes everyone feel comfortable. My job, as hard as it is sometimes, is to teach what the Bible says, even if it feels impossibly difficult to say in today's current culture. And so I encourage you this morning to follow along in God's word so you can compare his word to what I'm saying. Uh, the verses are all in our app. In some ways, it might be easier today because we're jumping around. You just have Bible and weekly verses. Uh, and then, of course, there are Bibles under the chairs as well. Okay, we're going to start with the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, here's what it says. Luke chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus says, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, although the Christian church has continued to teach 
on divorce through the last few generations, it's that latter part there that gets glossed over, that Jesus says that if someone divorces their spouse and then they go and they marry another person, by remarrying, they are committing adultery. They're having an affair. And Jesus says if you're single and you marry someone who's already been divorced, that you are, he says, committing adultery. Now let me stop for a second. Just look at me. There are some exceptions to this, okay? And we're going to carefully walk through them this morning. So I want you to stay with me. There's a lot to work through and explain. But if you are staring at me with piercing eyes right now, remember, uh, these are not the words of David Sorn. I'm reading to you the words of the Son of God. And so I, I want to try to carefully and gently walk you through why Jesus would speak so strongly on this particular matter. Okay, I I want us to look now to a different gospel, the gospel of Mark, where Jesus is going to say yet again the same thing, but with some more context. This is Mark chapter 10 now, starting at verse 6. Again, Jesus says, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, and here you're going to say the same thing as we saw in Luke. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband, this is for both genders, if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So again, right, and I think we've just, we've glossed over this in our culture, but Jesus reiterates that to get married to someone else after you've been divorced is to commit adultery, but this time he gives us another scriptural reason why. He, he rises above the cultural arguments that were going on at his time, and he goes back to the beginning of creation, and he tells us that when a man and a woman are married, they leave their father and mother, and they come together as one. They are bonded together physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They are one flesh in God's eyes. And so a couple getting a piece of paper from the U.S. government that says they aren't together anymore doesn't undo the bonding that God himself put together. And therefore, divorce is not an opportunity to start over and reset with someone else. Because in God's eyes, you are still one flesh with that person. And to unite yourself with another, even if it's through remarriage, is to commit adultery, according to Jesus Christ. Now, there are four exceptions for this for divorce and remarriage. And we're going to get to those in a bit, but the reality is most divorces don't, at least many divorces, don't fall into those exceptions. And as unbelievably difficult as this is for me to say to you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which means you follow his words, his teachings, what he said, and you are thinking about divorce right now, 
you need to know that there is no one else for you besides your spouse. There is no reset button for the Christian. Even the Apostle Paul speaks on this subject. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He says, To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. I know that we've ignored these passages for a few generations now in America, but they read plain as day. And so if you've been divorced, and you weren't divorced for a biblical reason, which we'll get to that in a second, according to the Bible, your options as a follower of Christ are to reconcile with your spouse or to remain unmarried, which I understand is an unbelievably hard word for your life. Like, it doesn't get much harder than that. But God wouldn't have given it if it wasn't right. And he wouldn't have given it if he weren't able to sustain you through that. So can a Christian ever get divorced? Can a Christian ever get remarried? There are four biblical exceptions or allowances, and I want to walk you through them. Here they are, the biblical reasons one may get remarried. The first one, this is probably the most obvious of the four, your spouse has passed away. Uh, just in case you need it, here's the scriptural evidence for it. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. You have to marry someone who's a believer. Romans chapter 7 is the exact same thing. The second reason, your spouse, so not you, your spouse committed adultery. So now we're going to look at the third and fourth times that Jesus says this exact same teaching, but he's going to add an exception here. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There it is again. Later in the same uh, Gospel Matthew, in chapter 19, Jesus says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So the Greek word for that phrase right there that's bolded, sexual immorality, the Greek word is por- porneia. And porneia is a broad term for sexual sin. It almost always in Scripture means adultery, but it can also apply to other forms of sexual sin, like prostitution or incest. And so Jesus is clear that remarriage to another Christian is permitted for the faithful partner if adultery was committed against them. And, and why is that? Like why is that the exception? It's because a- adultery, unlike other things, physically breaks the bond of the one flesh. Now, Jesus doesn't mean that divorce is required if adultery happens. He allows for it, but he doesn't demand it. I know couples whose spouse cheated on them, and yet, for the sake of their children, 
for the hope of their marriage, they forgave their spouse. And through a whole lot of counseling and a lot of hard work, they survived. They even thrived in happily even after. Even after an affair. God is that big. And by the way, let me be clear. This exception clause is for the one who was cheated on, not the one who cheated. And so we're not officiating the marriage of the person who went out, had an affair, and now wants God to bless their adulterous relationship. Third reason, according to Scripture, that one may get remarried. Your spouse was an unbeliever, and they left you. This comes from 1 Corinthians as well. So Paul says this, chapter 7. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, right? And you could be a wife. It could be a husband who has a wife, too. And he is willing to live with her. She must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, they're the one that walks out. Let it be so. The brother or sister, that's the Christian, is not bound in such circumstances, God has called us to live in peace. So the Bible is clear that as believers, we're not to marry unbelievers. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, but what if you're married to one? Right? Okay, you made that mistake, or, or, or neither of you were Christians when you got married, but, but you came to Christ, and they have not. Well, Paul says clearly in verse 13 of that passage that if your spouse is still willing to be with you, then as a Christian, you must not divorce them. But verse 15 says that if the unbeliever leaves you, then you're not bound in marriage. Now, many people would say that because you're not bound to them, then you're free to remarry. Now, although I must tell you that there are those out there that argue that this verse is simply saying that you're not bound in marriage, it doesn't actually say anything about remarriage. If this is your situation, I would do some serious biblical research on this. It seems to read to me that the, the person is free to remarry, but there's enough debate out there from Bible-believing Christians that it's, it's worth studying further. Now, here's the fourth reason. Your former spouse, they get remarried. Okay, so let's say you got divorced, and it wasn't for a biblical reason. You fell out of love, it just wasn't working out. And now you, as a divorced person, you're trying to obey Christ. And so you're either trying to reconcile with your ex or you're just committed to remaining unmarried. But what if then your ex goes and gets remarried? Well, in that case, at the time of their remarriage, you, you would be free to remarry uh, for two reasons, right? Essentially, at that point, right, adultery has occurred, Right? They've, they have gone off and broken that spiritual one-flesh relationship. Uh, by the way, this would also be true if they were just off sleeping with somebody. Right? The second reason you'd be free to remarry is because God, God is never going to have you sin on the pathway to holiness. Like In other words, he's not going to have them break this new covenant that they made in front of him in order to make a previous one right. Now, I know that many of you were waiting for a fifth point, or, or, or maybe you assumed that the list, the Bible's list of four would, would be different. Uh, there are many other reasons that are commonly thought to be reasons that a Christian uh, may get divorced and thus remarried. A common among those 
reasons that are often listed are things such as addiction or, or abuse. And this is unbelievably difficult to say, and therefore most pastors choose not to say it, but neither addiction or abuse are listed in the scriptures as reasons for divorce. Now let me be very clear, very clear. If you are in a situation where you are suffering from abuse, abuse is so wrong, it is evil, it is wicked. The Psalms tell us that God hates the one who loves violence. If you are suffering from any sort of abuse, get out of your house, get to safety as soon as you can. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how you would have the strength to do that, if you don't know where to go, then you talk to us. You talk to your house leader, your elder, as soon as possible, and we will help you. But what we're talking about here is separation, not divorce. And that separation may last for quite some time. It may last for years. Okay, but if, if someone is physically or verbally or emotionally abusing you or they're just really struggling with addiction, why not just divorce them? Because as Christians, as Christ followers, we want to, one, we want to honor God's word in our spiritual covenant with our spouse. And secondly, we want to believe that God is big enough to work in our spouse's life too. Like if he could raise his son from the dead, then surely it's possible that he could change even the angriest of hearts while you are separated from them. I find that in the case of abuse, it is often necessary that separation is separation in almost 100% of ways one can be separated. Geographically, verbally, everything. It will almost feel like divorce. But as a Christian, you're still honoring God's word. You'd still be giving the other person opportunity for God to move from your place of safety, you're giving opportunity for God to change their life and to get help. Lots and lots and lots and lots of help. And that can happen. It does happen. And if it doesn't, right, they don't change. Unfortunately, what happens more often than not is that while you are separated, that person will go off form a new relationship, giving you the biblical freedom to remarry due to their adultery. This is such a massive topic, right? This, this, this topic right here could be its own, its own message. I encourage you to seek wise counsel from our leaders, from our elders, from others. And again, I, just, I need to be extremely clear that if you are suffering in an abusive marriage, just because the Bible doesn't list it as a reason for divorce does not mean that God is okay with it. He is not okay with abuse. We are never, never okay with abuse. And we, as your church, we will protect you, we will defend you, and we will get you to help and safety, okay? Now, I know, 
as we talk through these issues and the four reasons on divorce and remarriage, there are so many various scenarios around this topic. There are a lot of what ifs or what about this particular situation or this particular situation. And so I want to talk through some of our common objections to Jesus' words. And one of the common objections is that the idea of reconciling with someone that you fell out of love with or, or the idea of remaining single, potentially the rest of your life, it feels like too tough of a pill to swallow. And I do understand that that is such a hard word, right? That's about as hard of a word as you can have for your life. But I want you to know that the deepest fulfillment that you can experience in your life is not in marriage. It is not in sex. The deepest fulfillment that you can possibly experience is in an obedient relationship to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? If he decreed it, then he can give you the strength to live in it. He can use it. Often on this subject, I'll hear people say, well, okay, they got divorced, but at the, at the end of the day, okay, they shouldn't have, right? They didn't really have a biblical reason, but why shouldn't they have a shot at happiness now with a, with a better, more godlier spouse, right? Like, okay, they made a mistake, but there's some other godly person they could marry. Like, isn't God the God of grace, the God of redemption, the God of second chances? In fact, I, I, in fact, I believe this is one of the main lines of reasoning that most people use for remarriage when there isn't a biblical reason for their divorce. The problem with that, and again, I just, I just want to say this delicately, is that we don't, we don't use that same type of logic as Christians with other situations. Okay, if you, if you had a situation at work where all you would have to do is lie one time, and that one lie would make the rest of your career so much easier. As Christians, we would not say it's okay. There's God's grace, okay? Just, just lie so you can be happy for the rest of your life. And see, if we wouldn't say that, thus neither would we say, okay, I know Jesus says four times that if you get remarried for an unbiblical reason, that you are severing your previous unity and thus committing adultery. We wouldn't then say, I know he says that, but listen, no one's perfect. There's grace, and God just wants you to be happy, so you go ahead. The biblical principle here is this. As Christians, we apply grace backwards, not forwards. What is grace? Grace is there to forgive our past sin, not to enable our future sin. It is there to forgive our past sin, not to enable our future sin. Paul addresses this exact line of reasoning because he was hearing it in Romans 6, verse 1. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning? This is the future. So that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Let me just pause for a second. I hope that there is not a single person in this room 
who is feeling superior right now just because they haven't been divorced. Not a single one of you earned your way to Jesus. Each of us has a different cross to bear in following him, but don't for a second think that you are any better than anyone in this room just because your path looks easier at the moment. The Bible says every good gift comes from God, not from ourselves. You might be in a good spot right now, but that's from God. And you have no idea what might be around the bend and where you might need to hold on to Jesus even tighter than they are right now. All of us are a mess. All of us. We all need his grace. And we all need to trust him in hard times. If you are here today and you're in a remarriage right now, and let's say your first divorce was not on the biblical grounds, what should you do? If the grounds for your divorce were not biblical, then it's something that you should confess to God. And then receive his forgiveness, right? Because this is past. And know this, just like we said before, God is not going to have you sin on the pathway to holiness. And so he's not going to ask you to sin and end your current marriage in order to go reconcile an old one. So if that's you, and you're in a remarriage right now, you accept his grace, okay? And you live in his grace. And then you make the marriage that you're in the best and the most glorifying to God that you possibly can. And then you live out these current vows and this current union until death do you part. For, for others of you in this room that are still going, but what about my situation? You haven't talked about my situation yet. I was divorced. I'm thinking about getting divorced. And you got to factor in that this happened and then this person was this and this. There are so many what-if scenarios that my encouragement to you is get to your house group this week. Ask for godly advice from your friends, from our leaders. And then foremost, honor God's word. If you're in one of those unique situations, let me warn you, your flesh will want you to find an answer that suits it. Which usually isn't the most difficult answer. Because listen, you can find a book, okay? Like you, you can find a, a blog. You, you can even find a church nowadays to agree with you on basically anything you want. They'll find the cultural arguments. They'll open the Bible and they'll look at four, diff- four or five different verses and weave in a parable and a proverb. I've read all of these arguments and they'll come together with an obscure principle on why it's okay. But I just plead with you, respect the word of God. Jesus' words are numerous, they are plain, and they are simple. Let me speak to those of you that are single, or you're engaged, or the majority of you in this room that are married right now. If the devil puts the divorce word in your mind... I want you to know that often his very next step is to supercharge that with the thought of another person. Sometimes it's a literal person. Sometimes it's just the thought of a type of person who could actually make you happy. And if you are married, you cannot go there. You can't go, that, go there verbally to each other. You cannot go there mentally in your own mind. 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, trust that he has united you to this person till death do you part. There is no reset button. There is no one else. Trust in God's power. Trust in God's word. Trust that God wants you to avoid divorce for a reason. You know, people often quote, God hates this process of divorce. And I often tell people, you would too if you would sit where I've sat in my office. I wish you could see. I wish all of you could see the absolute destruction that the tearing of a union can bring on a family. I wish you could see from my chair the pain and the tears of these kids. Where we tell ourselves, I've heard this a thousand times from my chair, we tell ourselves that they'll be happier if they didn't have to see mommy and daddy fighting anymore. And yet all I see is the kids crying and begging for mommy to stay or for daddy to stay. What they want is for you to believe and to show them that your God has resurrection power. I wish you could sit where I've sat to hear the stories of resurrection. I think of a Christian couple that I know whose marriage started off really rocky. And they were both incredibly disappointed in each other huge list of expectations not being met. And they would argue, and they would argue, and as the years went by, their communication just got worse and worse. And then they added kids to the mix, which is a challenge, right? When it's not going well in the first place. And she was exhausted from that, and he was working late, and often, instead of helping out, he would come home, and he would just drink. He'd throw himself a pity party for where his marriage had sank to. And yet, despite all of these difficulties, as Christians, they had told each other that no matter how hard this gets, I'm committed to you, and I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because marriage keeps love alive, not love keeps marriage alive. And so they started, years in, to work on their marriage, and they started to work hard. And they got counseling. He got counseling, and she got counseling, and they got counseling together. They started to talk about God together. They started to pray together. They started to believe that God has the power to resurrect anything that is dying. Do you believe that? And now, years later, the same couple honestly has one of the best marriages out of anybody that I know in my life. He buys her flowers every two weeks. They can't, they, they can't stop smiling at each other. They, they, they even teach other people about marriage, and they're living in happily even after. And the only reason that they're doing so is because they said, I believe that a covenant means a lifetime. For those of you that are married, and you have never explicitly said to your spouse beyond your wedding day, you've never said this, I, I want you to go home tonight, and I want you to hold them tight, and I want you to look deep into their soul, and I want you to say, I will never leave you. Never. If you both deeply believe that, then God will get you through anything, anything. But I will tell you this. 
Do not miss this. If there is even a thought in the back of your mind that if you should fall out of love, that if things should sink and sink and regress and get to such a difficult point that there could be someone better out there for you, that a reset button is available if you should need it. If that thought is even in the back of your mind, then you will never commit to the amount of work that it takes to make marriage work. You just won't. But if you understand that this is your only shot, then you'll put the work in. And that is why Jesus speaks so strongly about the marriage covenant. God can do anything. I just want to tell you, from my chair, I will tell you, God can do anything. If you're divorced, or you're separated right now, I want you to know God can do anything. There are people in this very church who've seen their own families come back together even after a divorce. Because the couple still believe that God had united them as one flesh. One flesh. I mean, picture this. Picture this. Children of once divorced parents now walking down the aisle ahead of their now reconciled parents, standing up next to their parents at their second wedding to each other. These same children, once again, crying uncontrollable tears, but this time at the joy of the reunification of their parents. If you don't think God can do that, then you don't know God. God loves a good story of redemption, of resurrection. And no matter what your history has been, no matter what your current situation is, as Christians, what do we live in? We live in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ forever. Right? I get it. We lead messy lives. But Jesus came for us, all of us. And he bled on the cross. And through our faith, we are united with him in what? In a holy union. And he promises you that nothing, nothing can separate you from that love. That's what we want to reflect in our marriage. No matter what you're feeling right now, and I know many of you are feeling all sorts of different things. No matter what you're feeling right now, I plead with you, do not forget the gospel. He loves you no matter what you've done. He loves you no matter what you've done. He loves you no matter what you've done. If you are feeling a tremendous amount of weight this morning because of this message, then I assure you as a believer, he has taken that very weight and he has nailed it to the cross. There is nothing that you have done that he didn't die for. And so you let that grace of the past Soak deep into your soul this morning. And you let your steps toward the future be one of obedience and trust. Let me pray. Oh, Jesus. God, we thank you for your grace.
and your forgiveness, that you die for everything, every step, every place we've wandered, every place that we've gone, that you sought, and you said you'd still die for us. God, may we live out that sort of faithfulness and radical obedience to you. We just love you. And we worship you now that you are good. In the name of